Cue the fancy intro music. I'm Lisa Robin Young, and this is Creative Freedom, empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, where can-do inspiration and how-to education collide to help you own your dreams without selling your soul. Creative Freedom helps you end the hustle, define success on your own terms, and build a profitable, sustainable business doing more of what you love and less of what you don't. I'm so excited you're here with me today. Let's get started. Hey, hi, and howdy. I am in Mississippi this week, exploring the cozy college town of Columbus. It is the birthplace and the childhood home of one Tennessee Williams, playwright extraordinaire, and the gorgeously renovated home he was born in is now the town welcome center and a national literary landmark. I did not know that. It's also the home of Mississippi University for Women, which is why I'm down here. My sweetie is interviewing for a teaching gig, and we are taking a tour of the campus and the town, meeting with the faculty, and considering a possible relocation if things go well. (laughs) That's right. Mississippi could be on the horizon for me, and I will share more about that in a future episode when I have more to share. (laughs) But before we jump into the topic, uh, I want to give a shout out of thanks to all our listeners. We've been at this for a little while now, and uh, I'm really grateful to see how everything is growing. Um, You guys are now tuning into Creative Freedom in about half of the United States. And yes, I'm going to list them all off, including California, Indiana, Washington, Ohio, Virginia, Texas, Michigan, oh, Mitten Represent, Illinois, Maine, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Idaho, Massachusetts, Tennessee, what, what, Colorado, New Jersey, Utah, my old stomping grounds, Georgia, Minnesota, Missouri, Alabama, Maryland, Brooklyn, New York, the District of Columbia, and apparently (laughs) I'm the only person in Mississippi who even knows this show exists, so we will have to talk to my sweetie about that. We've also got listeners in 12 other countries around the world. So hello, Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, Netherlands, France, Abu Dhabi, and Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, Finland, Sweden, Germany, Russia, Slovakia, and Brazil. Thank you for making us one of the fastest growing shows for creative entrepreneurs. If I didn't list your location, then shoot me an email and let me know where you're listening from, and we'll be sure to say hello in a future episode. Okay, yes, I am buttering you up this week because on the surface, this week's topic isn't very sexy, particularly if you're a chaotic creative. Just hearing the word business model can conjure up spreadsheets, process diagrams, flow charts, and other stress-inducing imagery. But it doesn't have to be that stressful for creative entrepreneurs. In fact, there are really only a handful of things you need to get clear on to build a business model that works for your creative type. And I promise you, once you figure out your unique business model, you'll like how sexy the results are. (laughs) More money, more meaning, more impact, more raving fans for your work, more freedom, and more focus on what's truly important to you. The best part? It isn't hard to figure out. The hard parts are sitting down to do the work and then staying true to the business model that works for you 
If you follow along today, you'll even have some of that handled too, because let me be real for a minute here. I know mine is not the only podcast you listen to or show you watch. You've got voices in your ear every day telling you about this new tactic or this quote unquote surefire strategy and how it'll solve your problems if you just do the work. And here's here's a reality pill for you. Okay, anything can work. Otherwise, people wouldn't use that tactic or that strategy. But some ways will work better for you than others just because of how you're wired. And being a business owner means being able to make an informed decision about what's best for you and your company. Because you're a creative entrepreneur, you are just as important in that consideration as your company. When I trained direct sellers, there was this horrible, awful, terrible idea floating out there to buy 500 business cards and pass them out to everyone you meet. Why? <laughs> because it works, sort of. Okay, that, What kind of an impression are you leaving behind? Okay, so picture this. True story. A snowy winter evening in Michigan. I am trudging through the slush and the sleet in my winter gear to UPS. Now, this is before they had those fancy stores all over town. So this is the warehouse. And I was dirty and tired after a long day, and I had to get a package out before the holidays. And it was big and awkward and bulky and heavy, and it was all I could do to navigate the yucky weather and get the box inside the warehouse without slipping and falling on my arse. Okay, so I'm standing in line. The week before Christmas, patiently waiting my turn, and a woman comes in and joins the line behind me. I turn, we smile at each other, and then I turn back to wait in this long-ass line of people, and then I feel this tap on my shoulder. Now, I'm thinking, oh, I must have dropped something or something's wrong, right? I turn around, and this woman just sticks her business card in my face. No words, not a hello, I'm Susan, or anything like that, just shoving her card all up in my face. My hands are full, (laughs) full, and I can't exactly accept her card. So she sets it on top of the box as I'm holding it. And then finally, I'm next in line, so I place my box on the counter and then I pick up her card off the top. Now, of course, she's a makeup consultant with a direct selling company. All right, Hmm, I'm dressed in my grubbies because it's snowing like a mother outside, and I'm not giving off any indications that I want or need her makeup advice. So I ask her, how many more business cards do you need to pass out before you get to 500? And then I handed her her card back, and I told her I was a direct sales trainer, and I would be happy to teach her a better way to generate leads for her business, people that were actually interested in her product. You could have heard a pin drop in that. At warehouse. <laughs> so what she did was today's equivalent of sliding into somebody's DMs on social media after they just started following you and saying, hi, I'm awesome. Buy my crap. And I'd say about 497 of those business cards ended up in the circular file. But hey, it works. You know, that one person, those three people might actually be like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Passing out business cards to everyone with a pulse is cold calling. It works and it's icky. If you pass out 500 cards, someone is bound to want to work with you. There might even be a decent ROI in it. You know, if one person spends $100 with you, that probably covers the cost of the business cards and gives you a little bit of profit. If you don't count the amount of time you spent passing out all those cards in the first place. 
Some people have no compunction about cold calling. Not me. I am much more interested in working with people I like and actually want to work with. And I get that there's a time and a place when you're just starting out that you'll likely work with anyone with a pulse just so that you have some revenue. And there's a price you pay for that. My goal is to help you get your business to a place where you never need to think like that ever again. Sound good? (laughs) I teach 360 degree business design. And that means it's not just about your business. It's about you as a human being as well. I once heard author Michael Port say that personal problems are business problems and vice versa. For creative entrepreneurs, there are no truer words. Until you've built a solid team that can run the business without you, the things that happen in your life trickle into your business. And the things that happen in your business, good or bad, can trickle into your life. It makes sense then to build your business around how you best show up, around what really works for you, instead of trying to shoehorn yourself into someone else's blueprint or formula. Now, that said, I've got a simple framework that can help you do the work, and it comes in two parts, an internal piece and an external piece. The internal means that this is the stuff that you need to know for yourself. This is the stuff that sets the stage for how you position your brand in the marketplace. External means the stuff that your audience needs to understand in order to buy from you. So here's here's the first part of the framework. Write this down in parentheses. You plus why plus who in parentheses. Okay, when I write it down, I put it in parentheses to remind me that these are the internals of the business. These are the critical must-understand pieces that form the foundation of everything you're creating in your business. So let's jump right into it. Number one, let's talk about you. And I mean get specific. Who are you? What are your core beliefs and values? What's important to you? Don't get glossy here. Really sit with these questions. Who are you without the masks and the veneers that you wear? What do you stand for? What kind of a world do you want to live in as it relates to your great work? Okay, and these aren't always easy questions. Here here are a couple of fill-in-the-blank style questions, okay? Number one, I'm the kind of person who blank. Or I want to live in a world where blank. Really take your time with these. Get as wordy and personal as you want to here, okay? What makes you mad about the world you're trying to serve and how do you want to see it differently? These answers get at who you are without the titles, roles, or the name that you've been given. With all possible due respect to Simon Sinek, author of the book Start With Why, it is a challenge for most creatives to start with why when they don't know who they really are. You've spent so much of your life wearing one mask or another trying to fit someone's mold or idea of what you should want or what you should aspire to, and it takes some time and emotional investment to release those old stories and really sit with what's truly important to you and what you want your mark to be on the world. So do it. Sit with it. Make the time investment. And... (laughs) (laughs) The investment in tissues, too, because if you're like most creatives I've worked with, this work requires vulnerability 
and tenderness with yourself. There is a certain relief and sadness that comes with owning the truth of who you are and realizing that you could have chosen long ago to honor that truth, but instead you piled on the masks to conceal your truth. You may have even had a good reason to wear those masks. Masks provide a level of anonymity and sometimes safety from being found out. And in our society, that safety can be important depending on the truth that you bear. And as a creative entrepreneur, you don't want people to fall in love with your mask. You want them to see you and your great work and love you, not a mask. That's why we start with you and then we examine why. Why you? Why now? Why this? Why is it time for the world to meet you and experience your great work? Why does the world need what you're bringing to the table? And why are you doing this work? Okay, do you have a particular worldview, method, skill, or experience that people need? A credential or story that gives you a unique angle? An innovation that's never been seen before, like mm, the creative freedom entrepreneur type spectrum? Nobody's ever seen that before I put it out in the world. Why should your world care about you or your great work? Because as Simon Sinek pointed out, people buy not only what you do, they buy why you do it. And in today's market, affinity and alignment are more important than ever. With all the choices we have to make a buying decision, we want to align ourselves with other companies and people who share our values and beliefs. That means why you do what you do matters to your buyers. Well, Okay, it matters to the buyers that will become your raving fans. And that's honestly where we want to focus. And once you have clarity on who you are and why you do what you do, then shift your focus to who is most in alignment with that. Those are the people most likely to be ready and willing to say yes to you. I'm a business coach, an author, and a performing artist. Now, I could do my work with a wide variety of people. But the audience that gets me, the people that care the most about the work I do, are other creatives. They understand what I mean when I say, own your dreams without selling your soul. When I talk from personal experience about the well-meaning people close to me who've asked me to just be happy with a regular job, or to stop dreaming so big, or to have a backup plan, you understand. You resonate with the stories and the issues that I faced more than any random entrepreneur ever could. And that resonance, that alignment, makes you more likely to be a raving fan than any random business owner. So I tailor my content to creatives. I could be coaching anyone, but because I have a unique worldview as a creative, it's easier for me to create that resonance with creatives. Think about the words you use. The stories you tell about yourself and your company. The people who most resonate with who you are and why you do what you do are most likely your best audience. These first three pieces are the hardest part of building your business model. It takes time to figure these pieces out. It takes experimentation. It takes showing up in rooms, virtual or otherwise, where you think your best potential clients might be and start talking to them listening to them, 
loving on them. We talked about that in a previous episode. And then getting their feedback, making offers and getting more (laughs) feedback. (laughs) Have those conversations. Share who you are and why you do what you do with those people and see who resonates. Invite those people to engage more deeply with your work or the world you're trying to create by joining your mailing list, for example. You want to bring those connections closer and help them feel that sense of belonging in your world that we've talked about in previous episodes. Those folks will become your raving fans. And that's the first half of the equation. You plus why plus who. And once you have the first part of the equation complete, the second half, the what plus the how, becomes a heck of a lot easier. (laughs) It's true. When you know who you're trying to serve, you'll have clarity on the kinds of offers that they'll actually be ready, willing, and able to buy. You'll know how they want to consume it, how to deliver it to them with very little extra effort. Say, for example, you're a painter. You can paint any variety of things on any variety of media. That doesn't help you build a business model. But as soon as you know that you prefer to do acrylic mixed media on canvas, that narrows your audience to other people who are open to art on canvas. When you articulate your reasons for using mixed media on canvas, like the fact that using recycled materials in your art is part of your mission to be environmentally responsible, then your audience is also very likely to be environmentally conscious, which means they're going to prefer buying from artists that are in alignment with their values. You won't be delivering pieces that waste a lot of materials. You'll probably be using recycled shipping materials and making that part of your marketing. You'll be sharing messages and content about upcycling or recycling in everyday life because it's part of who you are and who your raving fans are. Do you see how this works? Even content creation and curation becomes easier when you know who you're talking to. And that's all marketing really has to be. An engaging conversation with potential clients about the things that matter to them that also matter to you, and then inviting them to invest in the work you do because it makes their lives better. But (laughs) it's pretty hard to do that when you don't have clarity. The nice thing about this, this admittedly formulaic model, is that you can swap out the what and the how in a variety of ways. You, why, and who are much less likely to change over time, though your audience is more likely to change more than who you are and why you do what you do. For example, I serve creative entrepreneurs. I didn't always. I started with direct sellers. That who has shifted. And one of the foundational things I have is my dream blazing process. That's my what, okay? It's something I used to sell by itself, but I learned that that approach didn't work as well as others. When I first created the process, I offered it as an e-course delivered over seven days. But I've also offered it as a three-day and a one-day intensive, and now it's a regular part of both Creative Freedom Live and A-Club, and you can't buy it as a standalone program. Why? Because the audience that gets the best results is creative entrepreneurs who are ready to sit down and do the work and then review their progress on a quarterly basis. So making it available as an e-course with no follow-up accountability wasn't the most effective way to deliver it. But it's the same program, okay? One thing offered multiple different ways. Same what, different how, depending on the audience I'm trying to serve. The same thing applies to you. You can switch up the what and the how depending on the way your audience most likes to consume your offer. 
As a musician, I offer CDs, but most of my fans prefer digital downloads. I write books, and some people want them delivered digitally, while others want an audiobook or a physical copy. It's all the same what, just a different how. Actually, that's only partly true. Because the what isn't just the thing you sell. It's the pricing of that thing as well. Okay, that rhymed. (laughs) Your offer is made up of features, benefits, positioning, and pricing in addition to the product itself. So I have a client that sells handmade pasta. But he's not just selling pasta. Part of the mythology of his business is that his recipes are rooted in his family history. That food is love. He uses fresh, real food ingredients, no chemicals, additives, or preservatives. He positions his pasta as a healthier alternative to boxed pasta. And because of the quality of his ingredients, it costs more to make than boxed pasta. So in addition to pasta, he's also selling peace of mind, love, and healthy alternatives to the industrial food system. Not everyone is willing or able to make that kind of an investment in their pasta. So his spaghetti isn't for everyone. And he needs to price it accordingly. But what if he shifts his audience from the health-conscious parent to a high-end gourmet restaurant or a local grocer? He's not going to be able to charge a retail price for wholesale purchases. So even though the mythology is still the same, and the product is still the same, and the positioning as a healthy alternative is still the same, the pricing is different. In exchange, he's selling larger quantities. So the what is technically changed. It's a larger volume for a lower per unit price. And instead of selling pasta and peace of mind, he's also selling time savings and the convenience of having quality handmade pasta in quantity to serve diners at a gourmet restaurant. Now, either way, you'd still typically expect a higher quality product to sell at a higher price, even in bulk. Now, did you know that one of the most expensive items you can buy at walmart.com is a $75,000 chandelier? I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Not typically something you'd expect at a Walmart store. On the other hand, did you know that one of the least expensive items you can buy at Tiffany.com is a box of five note cards for 50 bucks? A $10 note card might seem outrageous to a Walmart shopper, while a $75,000 chandelier might seem like a bargain to someone who shops at Tiffany. It all depends on who you are, why you do what you do, and who you serve. Clarity is a powerful tool. When you know who you're serving, the offer becomes much clearer, faster. Your pricing, your positioning, your delivery all becomes clearer when you do the work on the first part of the business model equation. If you want help getting more clarity than you can get in a podcast episode, join us in Accountability Club. A Club is an intimate group of creative entrepreneurs who are defining and achieving success on their own terms. You can learn more about it at lisarobinyoung.com forward slash A Club, A-C-L-U-B. There is a link in the show notes as well. If you liked this episode, help us make a bigger impact in the world. Support our Patreon campaign, subscribe, share us around with your friends and colleagues. Like that's a big one. Your help makes a difference more than you could ever know. Your help is making us one of the fastest growing shows for creators. And I'd love to see us in all 50 states. (laughs) And thank you because I couldn't do it without you. 
next time, since we're speaking of pricing, we're going to unpack some mindset issues around pricing, specifically why I believe it's important that you value your time at a minimum of $500 per hour and how that mindset can play out to improve your business. We touched a little on pricing mythology today, but next episode, we're going to go even deeper. And don't be surprised if you get a little triggered by what I have to say, especially if you consider yourself a heart-centered creative entrepreneur. Far too many creatives aren't charging nearly enough for their great work. And as a colleague once said to me, mindset is more important than mastery. So to that end, we're going to hit it in our next episode. And I hope you'll join me. Until then, my friend, for more inspiration and education to help you end the hustle and own your dreams without selling your soul, come on over and see what's shaking at lisarobinyoung.com. You know you want to.